Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. And they have a lot of comics to be thankful for this season. One is the Spider-Man Gauntlet Trade featuring Juggernaut. Now this book is a follow-up to the classic 80s storyline. Writer Roger Stern is back for a cool follow-up. And this trade collects Amazing Spider-Man number 626 to 629. It also collects the original story from Amazing 229 to 230. Now, the cover price of the book is $14.99. Mail order has it for just $7.49, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Okay, starting off the message board questions, uh, Donald Mark has a first question from Nashville, Tennessee, our good buddy. Uh, to the gang, which villain's first appearance in the comics ranks as your favorite? I'll go around the horn. Stella, who do you like? Uh, Shocker. JR? Uh, the original Hobgoblins in Amazing Spider-Man 238 was very strong. Josh? Darn it, JR took mine. But yeah, <laughs> v- v- very strong story, you know, set up the mystery very well. You know, the art was good, and <laughs> G- darn it, JR took mine. <laughs> uh, Bailey? Uh, cross between Doc Ock and Venom, actually. And Kevin? You know, he didn't specify Spider-Man, so I'm going to say <laughs> the uh, new Zoom in Flash number 200 by Jeff Johns. Damn it, Kevin took mine. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Bailey, Bailey took mine with Venom. I really love the Venom setup. But yeah, uh, Bailey's right. I, I said that wrong. Were there any villains that didn't appear in an animated series that you would have wanted to see? For example, how would Venom have fared in Spider-Man and his amazing friends or Doc Ock in Spider-Man Unlimited? Uh, Bailey, you take that one. You've, you've seen those shows. Um, how would, uh, what I wanted, what villains that didn't appear in an animated series that I would like to have seen? Um, it would have been kind of cool to, he, he suggests later uh, Venom on Spider-Man and his amazing Can you imagine that? I don't I quite eat, know how that would have worked. I want to eat your dog's brains. <laughs> but, but really and truly, uh, I'm, uh, this is going to seem like a, a bad answer, but on like the 94 series, they had all the villains I would like to see. I mean, maybe a Hypno-Hustler episode of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, put some earwax in his ears. It's awesome. Or we found out in Jeopardy that Sandman never appeared in that show. That I'm still cool. shocked. Still shocked. Uh, Steve J. Rogers, New York City. Bertoni, which Spider-Man Project podcast recording reading are you enjoying more, Clone Saga or the classics? See, uh, this, this is a very loaded question because picking one would be picking a favorite, and picking a favorite podcast based on the people who are on it <laughs> is uh, – it, it, it's it's like picking friends, you know, and you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Although I'm picking the reading material, and 
as much as I love doing Clone Saga Chronicles, the books that I'm reading for Amazing Spider-Man classics are more enjoyable than stuff like Maximum Clonage and uh, Peter hitting Mary Jane across a room. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, it's, it's Lee Ditko stuff. It's classics. Uh, Stella, do you have any predictions about what this death of Oracle story is going to be, i.e. Barbara giving up the Oracle persona for something different? Um, I don't, but somebody I know does, and you'll just have to tune in to episode 14 of Bad Girl to Oracle, the podcast. Little tease. Wow. Uh, Michael, what will it take to get Brad Douglas on from Crisis to Crisis? Uh, an act of Congress and or God. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'd probably be up for it. I just don't know how much enthusiasm you would have. No, dude, I, I, I can talk out of my ass. I do it every month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, is Crisis to Crisis the, um, the 86 DC reboot? Is that what it is? Uh, yes. Okay. It's 86 to 2006. Though, my God. if Roger Stern had gotten to write his Superman-Spider-Man crossover that he wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, during that period, then we would have definitely had you on for that, but that never happened, unfortunately. Uh, uh, to everyone, your favorite Thanksgiving-themed comic book stories. Are there any? I can't... There's an, there's an issue of JSA that ha- that mimics the Norman Rockwell painting of the people serving Thanksgiving, and that's a pretty good issue. Well, the Fantastic Four did that. I remember a cover recently by uh, uh, the guy that did Ultimates, Brian Hitch, when he did Fantastic Four. I remember that. Is there any Spider-Man Thanksgiving stories? JR, you remember any? I could not think of one. Me neither. I, I... The movie. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. Very good. I can't think of any either. I'm, I'm sure somebody will say, I mean, see, this is why I need to be on next year, because I knew it and you didn't. <laughs> there's a lot of things. I mean, uh, Christmas ones, but I don't remember Thanksgiving. Uh, Lady Spider from the, uh, the Mascaria? Is that how you say the that? The Mascara. Where's that? That's oh, Paradise Island. It's oh. in the comics, Brett. Oh, from uh, Wonder Woman? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. See, I, I can I could talk DC if I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, how do you feel about The Walking Dead adaptation into TV form? Have you seen it? Uh, I watched the fir- I watched the pilot, the hour and a half thing, and I, it didn't really do it for me. I don't really like the whole zombie horror thing, and the the comic was okay because it really focused on the characters, and I didn't even really have to look at the zombies if I didn't want to, but. The TV show, you get into those sort of horror zombie tropes, and I honestly, I didn't think the the um, the main character. I didn't think he was a bad actor, but you could tell he was doing an accent. Like every line he does, I'm thinking, yeah, he's figuring out how to say that as an American. So I didn't really care for it. I deleted my series recording after the pilot. Oh, I'm loving it. Did uh, <laughs> did uh, are they following the book at all? Uh, the first the episode, uh, at least, man, it was moving slow. I was. It's going to take them like the whole six episode first season to get through six issues at this rate. Oh wow! Wow, I'm just digging it. Uh, Michael, how do you feel about the overall DCAU? What does that mean? Animated, DC animated universe. universe. Oh, animated universe movies included compared to the recent direct to DVD movies. It's apples and oranges because the DCAU was something that kind of evolved and became a universe, whereas with the direct-to-DVD stuff, you have, you know, adaptations of other stories and, and really beyond the Superman, uh, Batman Public Enemies, and then Superman Batman Apocalypse, you really don't have a continuation. Uh, I like both, but just for very different reasons. 
Okay. So we're talking like Bruce Timm, Paul Denny yeah. stuff from the 90s. Yeah, Batman the Animated Series, Superman, Justice League, gotcha. Justice League Unlimited. Stella, what's your all-time favorite issue of Batgirl? Um, Batgirl Year One, Issue One, starting off that wonderful series, probably. Okay. Uh, to everybody, does anybody think Ultimate Spider-Woman deserves her own mini or one-shot? At this point, I'd probably be more interested in an Ultimate Spider-Woman series than the current Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of done with the Ultimate Universe. I mean, it's a female version of Spider-Man is what the Ultimate Spider-Woman is instead of Jessica Drew. So she, yeah. she makes my head hurt because she's like, you know, is she is she gay or what is she? Is she technically transgender because of the clone thing? And then she yeah. made out with Johnny Storm. It's yeah. It's, oh. it's, every time she appears, it makes my head hurt because she's Peter <laughs> in the body of a woman, and it's yeah. yeah. Think remember, this is for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, are you and the I the only ones that uh, read that book? Uh, I, I dropped it a few months ago. Well, now, I, I heard they were renumbering again, and I said, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, they're going back to 150. I guess I'm the only one that reads it. Yeah, but don't ask them about it because they'll get mad at you at the panel. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, does anybody watch Supernatural? I nope. don't. Nope. nope. I don't stick around after Smallville for much. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Smallville's going great. Oh, yes, yeah, Smallville's yeah. kicking ass this season, I think I love the chemistry between uh, Erica Durant and Tom Welling. I mean, I'm saying cast them for the movie right now. Just do it. Seriously, I agree. Mm-hmm. No. No? No, man. <laughs> I like them. I just think that with the movie going into a new direction that they should have a new cast. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Nothing against the show. <clears throat> but what do you think of the season so far? Have you been watching it? Uh, I've seen two episodes. <laughs> Oh, okay. I <laughs> uh, saw the first one, and it was a very typical Smallville episode. Clark's gone. Now he's back. Here's the fight. Here's the setup, which I enjoyed. And the second <laughs> episode had some of the worst writing I have ever seen on the show. Well, and I could do without Redneck Deadshot. I could really do without Deadnet de- Redneck Deadshot. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. R. Hagen from Conway County, New Jersey. Thanks to Kevin for the shout-out and kind words in last month's podcast. I appreciate them. Now, a question for the panel. What elements do you think are needed in the Spider-Man comic to make it a great Spider-Man story? Josh, this has you written all over it. I think uh, it needs to be personal, and I don't want to make it sound cliched, but whatever's going on, there has to be something hanging in the balance for Peter Parker as well as Spider-Man. And stories where Spider-Man will team up with Silver Sable and you know fight the Red Skull in Russia... It doesn't do it for me because, I mean, you can substitute Spider-Man, you know, for any other hero. Just change the power set in the dialogue. But with stories where he's fighting villains where the outcome hits close to home or because he's doing something with the villain, there's a Peter Parker-related thing that's going to be affected by it now. I think that it's very important because Spider-Man is – this is going to sound stupid and cliche, but Spider-Man's a very personal story, that makes yeah. any sense. Well, I mean, this month kind of sucked. But it had a personal Osborne element to it, because that touches home. Well, it also has to have good writing. You could have all those things, <laughs> but if it's not written well, it's going to suck. True, true. Uh, Kevin, you want to hit that one up, being a writer? 
Uh, I think one of the great things about Spider-Man stories is variety. I don't think you can nail down one thing that has to be in every Spider-Man story because it's great to get a lot of different things in different stories. I don't want to see the same kind of thing every story. So I think you're you're going at it wrong uh, at the outset if you're going to try to fit this one same thing into every Spider-Man story. Okay. Uh, Venomaniac from over there. Stella, Jane Eyre, and pre-One More Day Peter Parker relationship. Could it work? No. Why? Why couldn't it work? Right. Um, no, there's just no way. I mean, if she... <laughs> I She's just too much of a moral character. And even if he was more of a moral character than he is now, it, it just definitely would not work. Okay. JR, how many goblins does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> just one because just one because Norman's doing enough screwing around lately for everybody. Oh, out of the park! Nice. Da, 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 da. Boom. Kevin, after five episodes, six of the time of this podcast being report, recorded on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate the third season of Fringe so far? I give it a ten. The serial nature and mythology are coming in full force and really making the show something special, in my opinion. I think the season's going pretty well. Uh, I'll. I, I, at some point, they got to bring the cast back together because they're they're jumping back and forth between universes every week. And oddly enough, I think the alternate universe episodes have, uh, on the whole, been better so far this season. Although this week's was in our universe and it was pretty damn good, so they're doing a good job. Is it, I'm not going to give it a number rating. I'm not sure what I would give that, but has it been uh, canceled? I don't think it's been doing very well in the ratings. I don't think. Uh, no, there's been no uh, no cancellation. I don't know how it's doing the ratings, but they've not been canceled. Sadly, Undercovers has been canceled, and that was a great new show from J.J. Abrams, mm. but nobody freaking watched it. Yeah, and NBC paid a pretty penny for that one, too. Yeah, well, uh, NBC can suck it. <laughs> Bailey, so I was rooting through my comics, and I found Action Comics number 753. Well, the first comics I was given as a child, rereading it again, I was entertained, but having no context, that may not be the consensus with the issue. Have you read it, and what are your thoughts on it? What's so special about 753? Um, it, it's, it's not so much special. Uh, to answer the first question, yes, I've read it. It was part of this whole, what has been called Superman Rex storyline, where in early 1999, Superman decided to kind of give up being Clark Kent and start watching the world full-time and doing everything he can to protect the world and save it from itself. And in that issue, the JLA came after him, and there was kind of a big fight. Uh, ended interestingly. I, I like the story more in retrospect than when I was reading it at the time because that was kind of the end of that particular era of Superman. But uh, I like it. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading it again for From Crisis to Crisis. <clears throat> um, it sounds like Clark Kent no more is what it sounds like. Kind of like Spider-Man no more. Sounds like he turned into the Sentry. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't walk around saying, I am the super. <laughs> I, I am the super. That's Brand. what my landlord does. He Brand. walks around calling himself the super. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Uh, Brad, what comic do you have that you're most proud of? Um, I, I like that I have Amazing Spider-Man number one, not the 1989 version. And uh, the uh, maybe you guys can help me with the issue number. I guess I'm not that proud of it. But uh, it was a, uh, Amazing Spider-Girl with uh, Mary Jane on the cover, and May Day is behind her, 
and it says back off, it's my girl or it's my daughter or something like that. In that issue, the Spider-Man crawlspace was mentioned in the letter pages, promoting a interview with Ron Friends and Tom DeFalco. And that was my first appearance in a Marvel comic, and I always think that one's special. I think it's number eight. I can I can look it up as we answer more questions, but uh, I think that's the one I'm most proud of. Bertoni, is there a story that you feel captures Spider-Man really well, but is not the well that well known among fans? Oh, and by the way, Sam- Samus is better than Bobus. Who's well, that was uh, from uh, George's uh, Friendly Fire Fight Club. Uh, I was fighting for Boba Fett, and uh, against Samus, and Samus won. Uh, congratulations, Ven- Venomaniac. <laughs> Very fair and square. That was one of those like where like almost fifty people voted, and it came down to the wire, just one vote. Mm. Uh, story that captures Spider-Man well, but not well known among fans. There, there's a few that I like, but one of my favorites is uh, when Peter David went on to Spectacular. He had a long-running story, and he he took breaks, you know, between to tell other stories like Sin Either in between it, but uh, where well, actually Sin Either is how he kicked it off. Where the the foreigner and the black cat and Chris Keating, where Spider-Man was framed for murder, and this was the first time that the black cat had been used in the Spider-Man story since Felicia and him broke up in Spectacular Spider-Man issue 100. And at that point, Felicia was pretty much a washed-up character. She was a joke. She had been dampered by too much bad writing, and you couldn't take the character seriously. And Peter David, uh, he gave her a new motivation, and one of one of the new costumes she had was just god-awful, but made her a credible threat again, actually. Yeah. And uh, up until the very end, there was things that were getting revealed again. And uh, at that point, people like to forget that story because in that story, Felicia even you know moves into Peter's apartment and says that she accepts, accepts him as Peter Parker now and not just Spider-Man. But people like to go back to, oh, she never liked him as Peter Parker. Yeah. And just uh, all that stuff about Foreigner really being Chris Keening and uh, Spider-Man being framed for murder of the Blaze. It's uh, there was lots of good stuff there. I I, I liked it, and uh, it was often that, often that third or that third Spider title that not not many people read or remember as much as they do as the main Amazing title. So, but it, I agree, it was good stuff in the late, I think eighty six ish, eighty seven ish. Yep, so. it continued right up until a little bit before the marriage, because uh, they had to get Felicia out of the books to set up for uh, Peter and Mary Jane getting married. And uh, th- they actually did a good job of that at the end, with Mary Jane comforting him after Felicia left. And, you know, you, you can really believe that these were two people that were about to get married, even though he was ending another relationship. <laughs> uh, this one's aimed at Kevin, because I, I wanted to talk about this with Kevin, but we ran out of time. But now, since it's a message question, it's, it's tackled. In lieu of uh, Straczynski's decision to stop writing monthly comics and only write trades, does this mean that trade-only stor- stories are the future, and how do you feel about this? It does not. Uh, even J. Michael Straczynski said that uh, he doesn't see this kind of thing as replacing monthlies. He just feels he's better at it. Uh, and you know you got to respect that. He he says that he feels like his uh, his ongoing monthly stuff. He would rate it. I think he said maybe a, on average a five or six out of ten. But his more self-contained minis and OGN type stories, he you know say more like a uh, a seven, eight, or nine. And if he feels that's what he does better, then that's cool. And really, it's mostly a lot of this is DC's decision because. Superman Earth 1 shot to the top of the New York Times bestsellers list and sold out through like four printings uh, in a couple of days. And so they wanted to fast track the next one. And, you know, the guy's got to work on a complete OGN now. 
What what does this mean? Uh, uh, Generation one or whatever it is. Does this mean the one that was pre-crisis? Earth one is uh, it, it's just it's like ultimate. It's a it's a completely new continuity. Okay. Uh, but since um, you know DC has their fifty two universes they defined, they're yeah. defining this new continuity as being quote unquote Earth one. And there's also going to be uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank have been working on a Batman Earth One original graphic novel that's supposed to come out sometime in early 2011. So it's orig- it's it's the way to get people into Superman that has that don't need the history. They yeah, start yeah, from the ground up. It's okay, the exact same idea as Ultimate, right. uh, except it's OGNs instead of single issues, and and that kind of does work better for Straczynski because he. He, I think, likes to be able to plot things out uh, in more of a slower, natural kind of movie-style way. And it worked really well for that OGN, I thought. Mr. Bailey, do you think uh, singles are going away and the uh, graphic novels are the way of the future? No. I, I think I think that uh, DC was just really caught off guard by how well this book did. Yep. So they wanted to get a sequel out there. Uh, I, I think DC, as, as many problems as I've had with some of the decisions the company has made, one of the things that they are doing very right is that they're having this original graphic novel to release specifically to the bookstore markets, but that doesn't mean that they're forgetting about their monthlies, which is kind of their bread and butter. Yeah. You know, even though the trades from the monthlies end up going to the book, uh, the uh, books a million and uh, Borders and Barnes and Noble and whatever. I, I I think this is them just trying to explore new markets, and I think it's kind of nice to have DC do it before Marvel, for once, instead mm-hmm. of uh, instead of them just chasing whatever Marvel is doing a couple clearly, years later. Clearly, it worked. Uh, the, yeah. you have to have some mainstream appeal for it to go as big as it did as quickly as it did. I mean, I'd I'd very much rather he go ahead and just finish his 12-issue arcs on Superman and Wonder Woman himself. But, again, you know, we're looking at it from DC's standpoint of how well this did, and they want to capitalize on the interest and get the next one out quickly. I mean, it's still going to take several months before they can complete another OGN, so I, I can understand why they want to start now. I think I read somewhere, maybe it was Quesada, talking about how graphic novels, the cost is prohibitive to do just original ones. Yeah, but that's if they don't go right to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you can't yeah. have everyone be a JMS Superman book, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the business model is kind of wonky, because instead of paying an artist on a monthly basis, uh, you're paying them either ahead of time or after the uh, product has been delivered, and in that case, the artist might be working for months without getting paid, uh, and, and waiting for that. So it, it, it's kind of a wonky business model. So I can see yeah, why they're afraid to uh, tackle it. On that same note, JMS said he's basically taking about a 75% pay cut to do just this instead of the monthlies. But, you know, he, he loves it and believes in it enough. And, you know, if somebody's going to put the money where their mouth is, I guess that says a lot. But it's not his main source of income either, I imagine. Uh, has Marvel he's ever done it? Has Marvel ever done an original graphic novel? They've I, done them. They just haven't done like a series of them like well, this. Well, they did the, the the graphic novels in the eighties. Yeah, Parallel they, they Lives have, like, uh, was Parallel a graphic Lives. novel. Yeah, yeah. Punisher and Return to Big Nothing and, and the Frank Miller did Electra Lives again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
That's true. But those and then there was Daredevil love shows. Yeah, that's true. Stella or JR or Josh, any comments before we move on on that one? You any two cents? No. Just, I mean, it's, it, the stories, I, I, I hate to say this, and some JMS fans and even some people on this podcast might disagree with me, but I mean, the stories are almost being written for trades anyway. I mean, I really don't see what the difference was. Heck, if I was DC and I'd just say, okay, you know, just write a trade for your Wonder Woman or Superman story, and then they would just release it into six parts anyway. Yeah. And if they wanted to. Origin it's, it's, of the Species this month was very much written for the trade, in my opinion. And to bring this back around to our Spider-Man theme, mm-hmm. really Steve Wacker tweeted after this announcement that uh, JMS was quitting monthlies immediately. Steve Wacker tweeted, well, I'm a lot more interested in Superman and Wonder Woman now. Very classy, Wacker. Wow. That's mean. That's bitchy is what it is. Damn. <laughs> really. Damn. Bitchy <laughs> shot. Berserk Fury 819, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Brad, now that you've seen The Walking Dead, do you think you'll pick up the comics? You should. Yeah, I'm interested in the comics. Uh, probably the trades. I'll pick them up. Uh, the... um, Go ahead. Any advice there, Brad? Yeah. Buy them all at once. Why? Because once you get through that first one, uh-huh. you'll want to read the others. Like There's like ten, ten trades, aren't there? Oh, and I will yeah. say, I've read the first trade and I've not moved on, so it's possible to do. Oh, okay. Well, I, I like Kirkman's stuff. I liked his short-lived Marvel team-up that came out in the 2000s. I thought that was solid. Oh, I hated that whole Freedom Ring crap. <laughs> Let Freedom Ring. Yeah, uh, sure. JR, did you, did you check out The Walking Dead? If so, what did you think? I, I think you said an hour three. <laughs> That's you, you're yeah. just so sad about hours it. Ago. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the um, I have little patience with serialized TV shows, partly because I'm so old, I may not live to see the end of them. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, you know, except for the original Battlestar Galactica, I mean the, the the new Battlestar Galactica, and that wore my patience out after about a year and a half. So I don't know. I like I like one and done on TV. So, uh, Bertoni, out of all the upcoming Star Wars comic projects, what has you the most excited? I think it's a cop-out if I say the Marvel omnibuses that they're putting out. Uh, you're, you probably want original material. So I'm going to say uh, Darth Vader and the Lost Command. Um, I was there at Star Wars Celebration when they announced this one. and it's, um, it's Hayden. Uh, say what? what's What's that story about? It's Darth Vader, you know, going on a mission to get something for Grand Muff Tarkin. And it's... It's dealing with Darth Vader, and there's, you know, a new series called Night Errant, which is very good, and there's the Old Republic stuff, but to me, I, I don't know, I connect more with these Star Wars series when they deal with the movie characters, and, yeah. you know, that that's just a weakness of mine. There's plenty of good Star Wars comics that deal with original characters, but uh, I like I like to read about them. How many people. Star Wars comics do they produce a month? Because I used to collect them in the late 90s, early 2000s from Dark Horse, and they're like three or four a month that come out. Do you get all of those? Um, yeah, I get a lot of them. Uh, they just yeah. ended Legacy, and they're going to – so let's see. Like, uh, I know the past month they had Blood Ties, Legacy. Mm-hmm. They have, like, a adaptation of the Clone Wars TV show and uh, Old Republic. I mean, so, you know, around five a month, sometimes less. Wow. And not to dwell on Star Wars, but did, is uh, The Force Unleashed 2 any good? Have you picked that up yet? I played it. I enjoyed it, but I beat it in a day. Uh, oh it has. Whoa! Some, you're you're like yeah. Spencer. You're beating these games like in a day or two. It's a short game. Everyone like everyone's saying that they beat it in five hours. Gerard did, was not happy about Force Unleashed, so oh. he doesn't just he doesn't just complain about Amazing Spider-Man, folks. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's um it, it's fun. I mean, I I liked it, but I'm with video games. I'm usually very easy to please. Some of the levels were very long and monotonous, but mm. I'm I'm tempted to pick up uh, the first one because it's on sale on uh, at Best Buy on Black Friday for ten bucks. Whoa! But they end, they end the game on a cliffhanger. Like the, I think that they're going to try and do it in a trilogy. Nice, Stella. Are you in, you going to pick it up for ten bucks? That's pretty good for a PS3. No, I just spent for an early birthday present. I, I spent money on the pre-order of Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. So that's oh, what I'm looking. Nice. For. What are you playing these days, by the way? Nothing. Nothing. Well, Uncharted two. Sometimes, sometimes I yeah. play online with a friend. But uh, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to this Need for Speed game. Yeah. Uh, Michael, thoughts on Superman Earth One? Man, this this Superman Earth One. Everybody's talking about this thing. Haven't read it yet. Okay. Uh, I was not since I don't have a regular LCS, and at the time that this was solicited, I didn't have a uh, the wherewithal to set up an account at the comic shop that's still on the South Side. I didn't get it, and it sold out in like 30 seconds. So I'm either going to have to like hope that. Books a million gets it, or wait for the second printing. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I've heard some things that make me nervous, but I've also heard some things that make me think, "Oh, this might be good." Yeah. So, so th- this was this book uh, released a, the, the same day as uh, at Barnes Noble as it was in uh, the comic shop. No, there there was a week difference between the two. Okay, gotcha. Stella, I'm taking Roman history next semester. Any tips or suggested readings? Oh, well, I can tell you basically all the things they'll probably make you read. Definitely you're going to probably read uh, Livy, The Early History of Rome, and that's really interesting, probably the first five books. Um, you'll probably read Tacitus, The Annals, which is tough to get through just because Tacitus is a, he's a tough guy to read. Um, trying to think here what else we read. We, de- we read the, uh, the Golden Ass which is about a guy who gets transformed into a donkey. Oh, okay. Um, so you may, you may uh, be able to, to talk about that. But definitely Livy and Tacitus. So, and I think if you want to start reading now, Livy will keep your attention. So, Kevin, how come certain people continue to buy comics from one company even when they continually put out inferior products and treat their customers like crap? Gee, which company are you talking about? Sounds um, like they read your uh, New York Comic Con visit article on the front page. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's obvious, you know. There's certain people just know one universe better. This is what they know. These are the characters they know. It's uh, the feel they generally like. You know, I mean, DC and Marvel kind of have they each have their own feel. Um, and some people are Marvel people. Some people are DC people. Some people cross over like me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't really hold a grudge against people for that. There's if you're just a big Wolverine or Hulk or Captain America or Spider-Man fan, you're just gonna keep reading that and hoping for better. I think I, I mainly just love the Marvel, and I don't have time to go to the DC universe. I mean, I like the, <laughs> mo- the movies and the and the cartoons, but I just I don't have time to keep two. You're universes. a little hostile towards DC, though, Brad. So. Well, I, I I play it like Stan Lee played it back in the sixties and seventies. You know this distinct. I know. So, giving you a hard time. I know it. Did I mention so. that? Or Berserk says, did I mention I met Stan Lee? Did he meet Stan Lee? I I didn't hear this story. Yep, at a con. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Iron Cloud Nine. Iron Patriot from the Philippines. This is my first set of questions, so I hope you find the time to answer them. Yes, we are answering your first questions, and welcome to the board with your Spider-Man Noir avatar, the whole gang. Have any of you read the DC Marvel crossovers? If so, what did you think of them? 
first Amazing Spider-Man Superman one is uh, pretty good. I prefer, actually, the second one because it had a little more meat on the stories. I love the Hulk Batman. Yeah. I had that uh, as a kid. Really, really dig the crap out of that one. Uh, DC vs. Marvel is big, dumb, fun. Yep. And the New Gods uh, meet Galactus. I forget what that one was called. Was New It was done by John Galactus. Byrne. It was excellent. Where? When was this? It was in the 90s when they were doing like the dearth of crossovers. Gosh, I don't remember that one. Yeah, I... I I happened to read a copy that a friend had, and it has an amazing ending. Wow. Uh, well, in this one, Stella. Anyone going to watch the seventh Harry Potter movie? I bet you are. Ah! Yes, I am. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It was muted, and I was struggling turning the thing on, so it was a right, was delivering a Must have been an epic struggle by the sounds it of it. Got it, it by the throat. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going on Friday for like my birthday birthday movie. Oh, your birthday's happy coming up? Birthday. It's Sunday, yeah. Oh, oh, happy birthday! How how many? Oh, is it bad to ask you how many years? Uh, I I'll be twenty four. Awesome. Uh, let's see. If you had any role in the Spider Man reboot movie, what would it be? Jr. Would you like to be Jameson or Norman or what would you like? To I, be? I I you know I um uh, it's funny. I mean, I have no ambitions to be an actor, but I think it would be fun. To be Jonah and just chew okay. everybody's ass out, you know. I mean, just have one one obnoxious, massive rant uh, against everyone and everything. That would be a lot of fun. We can ask the actor, Kevin. Is there a part you'd like? Give me Morbius. Morbius. There you go. <laughs> uh, he'll be shameless here for his next question. I'll be spe- celebrating my fifteenth birthday on the eighteenth. What is today? Today is the fourteenth. So. By the time this is out in the year 2012, you will uh, be <laughs> very old. No, happy birthday. Uh, he's been reading comics for two years. How old was everyone when they started reading the comics or watching TV shows? I was about uh, probably three with the electric company. Mr. Bailey? Uh, as long as I can remember yeah. with the TV shows, started reading comics around 83 and started seriously collecting in 87. JR, how old were you? Oh God, I, I don't remember, but I do. I do remember watching the the Batman Adam West show when it was on ABC, yeah. and uh, the uh, original '60s Spider-Man show in syndication. Um, so I do remember that. Um, as far as collecting comics, off and on, but it was at eleven when I finally got hooked to stay. Wow. What well, was Spider-Man syndication? Was it did it air on a Saturday morning or was it in the afternoons when it was first run? For you? I honestly, I honestly don't remember. I mean, I, I just remember, you know, watch, sitting and watching it at my grandmother's house one, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometime. It must have been on a weekend um, yeah. because otherwise I'd been in school. Stella, how old were you? Uh, probably around 10. Mm-hmm. And you got started with the trading cards, if I remember your history. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, the animated series. Uh, oh, okay. It was definitely a huge leap forward. But, yeah, I was probably uh, five or six, I guess, when yeah. it all started. Kev? I'm sure I read some comics beforehand, but the Spider-Man cartoon was the big thing. And if that was 94, then I would have been about eight. God, I was in college. Uh, (laughs) Iron Patriot, welcome to the board. Me, me. Very, oh, oh, Josh, I'm sorry. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) It's all good, no. Um, I I was 11. 
Um, I thought I was foolish enough to believe that all comics were direct adapt uh, that all the TV shows were direct adaptations of the comics. So when I started wow. reading the Spider-Man comics, I was really confused because I read Maximum Carnage and <laughs> Morbius was there, and so was Black Cat, but like they didn't seem to acknowledge each other. I was like, oh, did they have a fight? Aren't these two supposed to be star-crossed lovers? So I quickly learned that. Well, I'm like, when did Mary Jane get out of the dimension that she was in in the TV show? And I, I learned. Uh, Who's this Gwen Stacy? It, it was a it was a trying experience. I had a similar problem in the '80s when I first picked up Marvel Tales, and I'm like, why is he in high school? Why is the artwork kind of different than the main book with the Hobgoblin in it? Uh, anyway, I yeah, and I figured, thought the Hobgoblin came before the Green Goblin for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it took took us a while. It's funny where everybody picks up. Uh, Mercury zero. By the way, Iron Patriot, welcome to the boards. Thank you for the nice questions. I liked them. Uh, happy Mercury, birthday. happy birthday, sir. Mercury. 83 from Belfast, North Ireland. Third post for him with a Scarlet Spider avatar. Hey, gang. Thanks for answering my questions last month. This time was just wondering what you think of the best adaptation of a comic character into other media is and what is the best comic adaption of other media. Uh, I think Spider-Man 2 was really good. I think the first Superman Christopher Reeve movie was outstanding. I think the best job of... The best job of adapting a comic I've seen, actually, I think, was The Crow. Hmm. That was a fantastic adaptation. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, I have to. I have to second the original 1978 Superman film with. Uh, yeah. With it, to me, that's the only superhero film that I feel is is epic in yep. scope. And uh, plus, like I've said before, the uh, scene with uh, Martha Kent and a young Clark in the corn in the field uh, just is a punches me right in the gut. Yep, love it. Anybody else? Batman the Animated Series uh, mm-hmm. was pretty good. I mean, it depends on what you mean by adaptation, like faithful to the source material or you know representation of the material in general. But uh, definitely Batman the Animated Series. It, uh, it captured I, that world really well. Yeah. And I would say Wonder Woman. Oh, the, the direct-to-DVD? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, Bailey, uh, the, Bailey got the, one? The eventually released Batgirl Year One. That 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 that'll be up there when yes. they put it out. <laughs> um, I think Justice League and Justice League Unlimited did the best job of capturing DC and the comic adaptation of other media. I would actually say the first hundred issues of GI Joe. You know, I forgot this on my recommendations part, but I think the Avengers cartoon that's on Disney XD is doing a pretty good job of uh, kind of mimicking or modernizing. The uh, Avengers, etc. They just did the Wonder Man episode where he uh, kind of goes bad, etc. Which I thought's pretty good. Uh, TNR zero, 105 from New Jersey. Uh, I know this month is a killer, so I'll make it quick. One question each. <laughs> Brad, as a new dad, you know your child is your greatest responsibility. You wouldn't trade baby crawl space for the world. With all the red coming and talks about spider babies in all reality, is Peter and Mary Jane... If Peter and Mary Jane ever had a kid, would Peter choose the power of being Spider-Man or the responsibility of Baby May? Um, I really think he would do what he did in Spider-Girl. I think he would hang up the webs and realize that his responsibility is to earn money and to have a house and a stable job for that kid. And I think, uh, granted, you could have a Spider-Baby in the 616 universe and him still having even more responsibility, but I think if you want to be really true to the character, he's got to hang him up. And and I think Uncle Ben would agree with that decision, which is my opinion. Uh, Kevin, we all know your favorite human, uh, Green Lantern, is Kyle Rayner, but who is your 
favorite supporting lanterns, someone badass like Sodom Yat, <laughs> or someone fun like Chop or Gnort? Chip. <laughs> There's no um, I in that. It's Chip or Chip, <laughs> Chop. <laughs> um, I assume he means aliens. I'd probably have to go with Kilowog. I mean, when he's when he's written badly and just says poozer every two words, it's just crap. But when he's written well, he's he's a fun damn character. He's the big guy. He was in the Green Lantern trailer. Did you guys see that? Yeah, he's the he's pretty much the most popular Green Lantern that's not a human, and and that's for good reason. Gotcha. Jr., uh, what do you think Rod- Roderick Kingsley would think of the recent rise and fall of Norman? After his retirement, how would he reflect on the whole debacle? Uh, well, I guess we might find out. I yeah. Mean, uh, but uh, I think he would just laugh his ass off. He knew Norman would self-destruct. By God, he did. Michael, which reboot are you looking forward to the most, Superman or Spider-Man? Please explain. I guess he's talking movies. Yeah, and I'm pretty much looking forward to them both the same, really, because I'm not setting my expectations too high, but I'm also trying not to really pay attention to a lot. With Spider-Man, it's going to be a little more complicated uh, because of doing this podcast, but I really I don't want any outside influences coming in. I just want to go into both films, sit down, watch them, and judge them based on the film itself and not what people say on the Internet about the movie. Yeah. Well, you know, Spider-Man has had three recent films, and Superman's only had one in the last, what, 20 years. So I, I would – I'm almost looking forward to Superman done right, you know? I don't know. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm trying to – I want him to be done right too, <laughs> but after Superman returns, I'm just yeah. cautiously optimistic. Brandon Routh, yay or nay for him to return? You know, part of me would really like it because I'd like him to see him do Superman and not – hey, we're going to have you play Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, if they're doing a clean slate, maybe it's just better to do, you know, just start over from scratch. And is John Hamm too old? You know, I'd like to say no, but even he's saying he's too old for the character, so it's kind of coloring my perceptions of yeah. it. But he look, he would make a fantastic... He even story. said that he's too old in Conan this week, I saw. Yeah. Uh, Stella, a lot of people... Hang, hang on a second. Oh. I, I just want to, having watched the old uh, TV show, personally, I would like to see them go back to a George Reeves-type Clark Kent Superman. Like a 40-ish? 40-ish guy? A mature man. A man. Yeah. I mean, now, I think Christopher Reeve did the best job, but... Everybody remembers that series so well. I mean, it's it's almost like a. Um, I mean, it, it it hangs over the head of, yeah. of any future Superman project. I'd like to see him go back to having you know not an overgrown boy, but a man be Superman. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, that'd be awesome. It's he's always like a twenty year old. Well, Routh is thirty ish probably. Uh, Stella, a lot of people have been saying that a lot of Steph's history has been ignored in the current Batgirl title. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I think to a certain degree, people have the right to say that, but I think after reading Bruce, uh, the Road Home Bruce Wayne Batgirl, I, I don't think you can definitely say that, um, because, uh, Brian Q. Miller did a wonderful job of flashing back to really pertinent moments in Steph's history, both when she was Spoiler and Robin. So, I mean, I feel like, uh, Miller doesn't need to burden himself with, you know, throwing everything at us, and I think he is gonna get to that, so, there you okay. go. Uh, Bertoni, here's the comic relief question for the month. Judging by your avatar, you like Phineas and Ferb. Create a scenario where Finny the Platypus teams up with S.H.I.E.L.D. 
how would he defeat uh, competent baddies such as Gobby and Doom? Well, oh, poor, poor. No, keep going. I'm doing Harry. <laughs> yeah. Well, poor Gobby and Doom, because like the laws of physics in the Marvel universe are different than the laws of physics that apply to Perry the Platypus. Like, if if the same laws of physics applied to him in the Marvel U while he was with Shield, he'd be a god. I mean, Dark Rain <laughs> lasted like five minutes. Dark Rain would have lasted five minutes long, you know. And like at the end of panel number six, it would be Norman Osborn going, "Curse you, Perry the Platypus!" For some reason. In the <laughs> I don't blame my parents. I blame everybody else in the tri-state area. Holy cow. I have no... I had never seen an episode of Phineas and Ferb. Yes, you should see it. When Ava gets older, you know, hopefully that show will still be running because... In my profession, I have to sit through lots of horrible Wizards of Waverly Places, Hannah Montanas, and the likes. But Phineas and Ferb, I enjoy, and it has clever writing, and it, you know, it, it plays on the superhero and comic book genre sometimes. And uh, nice, it, it's it's really clever, and it's it, it's awesome. And Perry the Platypus would rule the Avengers and the X Men and everyone else. Nice. But, JR, JR, is Phineas and Ferb on Spencer's TV watching? Yes, it is, and I was going to second uh, Mr. Bertoni, because uh, I watch all the same stuff that he does, uh, unless it's on Disney XD, because we don't get that here. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, I, I, I do when I enjoy Phineas and Ferb, because there's a lot of references that adults will get and really enjoy. Wow. The Proto-Goblin... Uh, has a question for JR, ironically. JR, do you think it's wise, it was wise for Stan to go the amnesia route with Norman back when they first learned of each other's identities, or do you think Stan should have taken a different approach? Oh man, I tell you, asking this after we're four and a half hours <laughs> in and I'm, and I'm ready to pull a Bailey, I don't know, you know. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that's the universal. Uh, I'll try to make it quick. Uh, I, I think that's all Stan could do. I don't think Stan had much choice. I think, uh, I think in those, those days, I think you were, they were still pretty rigidly following the comics code where I think good had to over, always overcome evil. Um, I could be wrong on that, but you know, I don't, I, you know, I think, I think that was better than either killing him off or sending him to jail and him kind of roaming around. You know, not knowing who he was, kind of set up the whole, you know, oh my gosh, I can't kick his ass because he's Harry's dad. So it, it, it worked. I'm glad it's gone, you know, because it, one, you know, you play that hand once or twice, uh, you burn it out. But, uh, I think at the time it was, it was the right thing to do. You're right, Bailey. Well, I'm in, pulling a Bailey. In, in my, in my defense, <laughs> because in JR's episode, he said 25 minutes in, Mike fell asleep. That wasn't 25 minutes in. That was two <laughs> hours in and at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I love Dude. it. And you my wife are... just came in and said, "There's no defense for what you did." <laughs> you guys it. are getting uh, tired after four hours. You know, John Wilson's done like recording sessions that have been seven to eight hours long. Oh, I kid God. you not. I'm not. I'm not up for that. Uh, Ke- Kevin, do you think Carly Cooper could be Mephisto or Mephisto's daughter? No. Yeah, I don't either. Or Tony, <laughs> just no, no exploration. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm 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 trying to power through these things here. I'm getting a little bit tired and headachey and uh, about done with this. Which was the worst moment to Bertoni in the Clone Saga for you? Spider-Man joined the Jackal, Spider-Man hitting his pregnant wife, the entire Omega issue, or the Scarlet 
spider titles. What's a scarlet? <laughs> he means the Scarlet Spider era oh, okay. titles, which were gotcha. which were all really, really, really horrible. Uh, yeah, not looking forward to those. But uh, worst moment, it's. I can't really pick between Spider-Man hitting his pregnant wife, and I don't care about the retcon. He saw her. They yeah. tried to retcon it and say that he didn't see her, but if you read the issue and read the preceding panels, he saw her, he hit her. They tried to cover it up. It didn't work. But him joining the Jackal is really bad. It wasn't him saying, you know what, Miles Warren's just a misunderstood bad guy. He really want like, Peter knew that this was an evil guy. And he said, yeah, you know what, I'll team up with Miles Warren. I'll, I'll, I'll do evil stuff with him. That's fine. Yeah. And this was just one after the other because that was the next issue that came out after him hitting Mary Jane. So, I mean, I don't know. As, as bad as people say that, you know, Brand New Day is, Peter has never done anything in Brand New Day that's as bad as teaming up with the Jackal. Yeah. Stella, is Barbara Gordon better as Oracle or Batgirl? Why do you put me on the spot like this? Um, However much I love seeing um, Babs in a Batgirl outfit, I think that um, she definitely has a purpose as Oracle right now, and I think she's made even more connections than she would have if she just stayed in the Batgirl garb. So right now I am content with her being Oracle. Can can I add to that for just a second? No problem. Real quick. Um, No Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> as much as I like ba- Barbara as Batgirl, she has been able to sustain several series as Oracle, basically. Whereas she did not get that much screen time, for lack of a better term, when she was Batgirl. And I don't know if that's just because the modern audiences liked Oracle more than the past audiences liked Batgirl. But I just think that's why Oracle edges out just a little bit over Batgirl. Okay. Uh, let's see. The other question is, Brad, have you ever thought of getting Jerry Conway on for an interview, assuming you haven't already? I'd love to hear about what he thought of his two different runs in the Spider comics, particularly in uh, – and that was writing amazing at only age 19. Uh, Bailey interviewed Jerry Conway, didn't you? Yes, he is yeah. an Really nice guy, probably one mm-hmm. of the nicest guys I've ever interviewed outside of Jerry Ordway. I I haven't had the privilege, but I'd like to. He's on my list of, of uh, people to interview. I've actually, I'll give you an announcement. I I sent an email hoping to get him on in December. He hasn't written back. Uh, Peter David has a new book called uh, The Spider Man Vault. It's coming out. It's a coffee table book coming out for Christmas, and uh, I'm gonna try to get him on, and uh, we'll. Pimp that for December or January. Another update, no, nothing new on the Spider-Friends reunion. Spider-Man had hip surgery and still hasn't written back or accepted my friendship on uh, Facebook. And getting Frank Welker, it's easier to get Steve Ditko, it seems. Uh, so <laughs> that's just an update on upcoming shows. Uh, Nightwatch, to Michael and Stella, who do you think would win in a Taskmaster versus Deathstroke? I'd say Deathstroke. And I voted uh, for him, too. I, I will say Taskmaster. Uh, while Deathstroke can use 90% of his brain at any given time. <laughs> uh, nice pull. <laughs> what? From Identity Crisis, nice pull from that. Well, no, that's been his power from the beginning. So oh, okay. Taskmaster has, what do they call it, photo-something reflexes. So basically, you have a guy that's moving faster than a normal human would because he's using that untapped part of the human potential, and then you have the guy that can mimic that. So it, I would say Taskmaster by a safety. 
Okay. Uh, DeBrad, JR, Kevin, and Bertoni, what Spider-Man villains that haven't had a major appearance in recent years would you like to see return? Uh, I'd like to see a real villain appearance from Morbius. Yeah. I'd like to see the real Venom. <laughs> not not anti-Venom, yeah. Not anti-Venom, not Scorpy Venom, you know, none of that bullshit. Give me Eddie Brock and the Venom symbiote who knows who Spider-Man is. We've had, like, his whole rogues gallery recently. I mean, I can't think yeah. of, honest, honestly, one that's just like, oh, where the hell is he? With the exception of the Hobgoblin, but he's coming up. Yeah, I would have answered Hobgoblin, except, yeah. uh, spoiler alert, end of big time. Yeah. Goes and I haven't, wah, wah. I haven't read the issue yet, but uh, I guess mine's always been Hobgoblin. JR, you got one you want to see? No. Yeah, me neither. To Maybe this... something actually from Gabriel Stacy, because he did come back in the American Sun mini, but he didn't really do anything except he, for, you know, fight he Harry. Did. He did. That was kind of a letdown. Kevin even bought that miniseries. Yep. <laughs> to the panel, what Spider-Man stories do you think would make good source material for future films or television projects? JR, you get that one. Um, I, I think the Al Octopus War from the old Spectacular. Yeah. Uh, you have romance, uh, and you have a, you know, a great villain in Doc Ock, and you have all hell breaking loose and Spider-Man just trying to cover his ass and, <laughs> you know, get out of it alive. So. Uh, Wombat909 from, uh, UK, uh, the United Kingdom. To everyone, I'm playing catch up at a slow rate on Amazing Spider-Man. I have a character assassination to read. In short, I've been reading crap. Mind on Fire may be the worst comic book I've ever read. Due to the reasons I can't remember due to being blocking the entire story of my brain. What's Mind on Fire? Uh, that was Harry's, of, uh, uh, man. Yeah, the two-parter where they, re- they quote-unquote revealed how it. Harry quote-unquote came back. So my question is, do you things, did things get better? Are there more brilliant pieces of work like flashbacks with Flash Thompson showing his bravery in Afghanistan? Or is there more crap on the way like Mind on Fire and the Hammerhead two-parters? Should I really stay with the title? Or drop it now before I get pelted more crap? That's all, guys. Thanks for another great podcast. It's hot and cold. I, I would rate Brand New Day as a C because there's no consistency. It's about average. I mean, that Stranger was fun. In some places, um, I mean, I I would try I I would skip it, with the exception of uh, American Son, New Ways to Die. He passed that. Oh, he. Um, I thought the the Rhino, the two Rhino issues were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, you're hot unexpectedly cold, so. There's a lot of monkey throwing feces going on after after this though. So. I gave Grim the Deadpool issue. I, oh God! I, Don't I, read Grim Hunt for your life. I mean, my God! I mean, I Grim just, Hunt. I mean, Shed, Shed, Shed. Right. I was just going to say Grim Hunt is I rated high, but uh, Shed was universally panned. Uh, Heartburn from Alberta, Canada. Looking forward to this podcast episode J- to Jr. Is there a story that you've read which involved Norman Osborn being out of character and left you saying Storm and Norman would never do that? And also, yeah, yeah. oh, go ahead. What's your answer? No, I was about to say that whole DNA bomb plot at the end of uh, when they tried to wrap up the um, Spider-Man continuity and reboot it. I came mm. up with some. I came up with a lame-ass excuse for why Norman was acting that way, but that was just bad. He would. That's that's not Norman. Also, to Jr. with Harry believing that Norman will come. After Stan, his recently new kid from Origin of the Species, is that his name? Stan? Stan. Yeah, yeah. they reveal it in Spider-Man Saga, which came out the same day as the last part of Origin of the Species that we read today. Spider-Man Saga, what is that? I didn't even buy that. 
It's just like a it, it recaps all a brand new day and it has profile pages, which of course uh-huh. they give the wrong first appearance for Michelle. Uh-huh. And uh they also say that Michelle was seduced by the chameleon, so that's Marvel's official uh-huh. canon stance on uh Chameleon and Michelle. They said Michelle and Chameleon did what? That that he seduced her. Oh well that's that, that's that, 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 that sex. That and then well that there was the debate about that for a while, so that's anyway, Marvel's official stance. It's anyway, his his question is to Jr. Why would Norman Osborn go after Normie Osborn as well? Well, Norman Norman's got spies everywhere. Norman's going to find out pretty soon that Stan's not his. So yeah. Uh, to Kevin, first off, keep up the great stuff that you're doing with the Jeff Johns podcast. Thank you, and uh, by the way, that's been gone for a little while, but now you all know what I've been busy with, with this whole applying for school and auditioning and all that crap, so hopefully I'll be able to catch back up with that soon. Sorry about it not being around for a month or so. His question is, I don't read much DC, obviously, but i got to give some credit to you for getting me interested in picking up more of their comics. Now, for my question, based on individual Lantern Corps, which podcast member would you think would be a part of, i.e. Green Lantern Corps, Red Lantern Corps, Sinister Corps. Uh, I've actually, yeah, oddly, as specific a question as this is, I've actually <laughs> had it before. Uh, it's been a while. Let's see if I can remember what I said. Um, <laughs> I remember saying Brad would be a Blue Lantern, which is Hope, and clearly the guy thought Spider Jeopardy was going to run one hour, so his optimism <laughs> knows no bounds. Um Michael Bailey, I remember saying, would be a Green Lantern because with all the stuff he does, his willpower has got to be incredible. Um, <laughs> JR would be a member of the Red Lantern Corps because he's got some rage issues, let's face it. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Stella would be a part of the Star Sapphires. Uh, she loves a good love story, you know, with the, the Dick Grayson and the Barbara Gordon and all that good stuff. Um, I can't remember what I said Zach would be. Uh, I might put him in the Indigo Trap just because nobody ever knows where he is or what's going on with him. <laughs> um, and I would be a Black Lantern because clearly I'm a vampire, so I'm already dead. You're dark. Uh, Brad, how was Halloween with Mrs. Crawlspace and Baby Spider Girl? Spider Girl was beautiful. She, uh, her, mo- her mom got her an outfit, and I got her an outfit. Her mom got her a, a uh, little ladybug. And I got, uh, Ava a, uh, Spider Girl outfit, or Spider, a Spider Baby outfit. And we, I have a picture of Ava frowning in the Ladybug outfit and a big old smile in the Spider Girl outfit. So that just tells, <laughs> what, whose kid that is? I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> last question, ladies and gentlemen, last question coming up from Brian V326. He's from Jersey. He's part of the Jersey Shore. He's got great abs. It's a Jersey uh, thing. <laughs> what was your favorite crawl space Friday night fight club fight and why? Let's hit, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's do Stella. <laughs> I enjoyed the Stegron fight, I think. Ooh, the Stegron was good. Yeah. I, uh, props to George for uh, the Friday night fights, and he also has a section on the message board. I, I, I enjoy those. I wish he'd do more on the front page. Kev, do you have a favorite Friday night fight that we've done on the front page? Uh, I know I was digging the uh, the Maximum Carnage series. That was mm-hmm. some crazy fun stuff. When it's bad uh, written, George has fun with it. So I, Exactly. And I think that's the best. Uh, Mr. Bailey, do you have a favorite Friday night fight? George is done. Hmm? I, I haven't read them. Okay. <laughs> K, 
uh, really bad all of a sudden. It's all right. It's all right. You're busy. You're 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 moving mountains with podcasting. Uh, let's see, Josh, you got a favorite one? I'd have to say uh, the one from Secret Wars where Spider-Man took on all of the X-Men. That's mine. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, just because I'm, I'm a little biased because I love that fight so much, and George likes to bring it up too, how Spider-Man single-handedly kicked the X-Men's asses in the span of a few pages. Yeah. So, George, you got one? Yeah, George. he's not here. George Behrman. He's, he's not, not on here. the line. What the hell? Brad, how long oh, no, no. Go to... I mean, JR. <laughs> <laughs> I was multitasking, <laughs> thinking that like, George was. <laughs> man, I tell you, I thought I was, well, I, thought I was the closest to Alzheimer's, but, uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I don't have one. <laughs> After all that work. <laughs> Mine would also George be. George showed up to finish the podcast. <laughs> that would be hilarious if it, it was true. Um, Secret Wars 3, and I also like uh, the uh, Fire Lord fight, Hot Child in the City, he calls it. Uh, final thoughts. This is a long show, guys. Thank you for sticking around for four hours. Is, or is it five? Oh, it's four. Four. Uh, any final thoughts? Stella? Almost five hours, people. Yeah. Um, I'm... Ready to eat some food, I think. And I am very thankful for uh, Mr. Bertoni for coming on and, and his great amount of dedication for researching everything. And um, also, thank you very much for not asking me a thought balloon question. <laughs> yeah, like I'd make that mistake twice. <laughs> Since it's Thanksgiving related, we'll go around with what we're thankful for and final thoughts. Josh, what you thankful for and final thoughts? Uh I'm thankful for being a part of this community, thankful that, you know, you guys let me on. And, I mean, because obviously you guys are a very tight-knit group. And, you know, whenever an outsider, quote-unquote, is brought in, it's it's never an easy thing. So thanks for letting me stick around for the podcast. And, you know, uh, thanks for letting me contribute all that those episodes this year that yeah. uh, you posted. You've, you've done a great job. So you're you're well part of the community. So, <laughs> JR, what are you thankful for? And final thoughts, sir. Uh, well, what I'm thankful for is I have two beautiful children. I have a fairly decent, stable economic situation when so many people don't, don't have such a thing. Uh, my final thoughts is my family is demanding my attention and I have to go. All but right. Thanks for the memories, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, final thoughts and thankful for? Uh, I'm thankful, very thankful for the, uh, chance to change my life like I have with, uh, going out to California soon. I'm thankful for the people, the wonderful supportive people in my life that uh, have supported me through it and are, you know, very happy for me and saying some very kind things. Uh, my final thought is next year I will be putting my foot down that there will be no message board questions when we do spider freaking Jeopardy. Doing <laughs> <laughs> it in five hours. It only went an hour, though, didn't it? <laughs> no! <laughs> You don't want to get me started, Brad. Oh, God. Uh, Mr. Bailey, what are you thankful for and final thoughts? Thankful that I have a job. Yeah. Uh, especially in this economy. I'm thankful that my wife is relatively healthy. I'm thankful that I get to host and be a co-host or panelist on so many great podcasts where people seem to like me. They really, really like me. Except Josh. Um, he hates your ass. <laughs> you scare my kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> and my and my wife just said no they don't like you so, <laughs> so that thing I, was, I said about my wife 
Uh, I still feel the same way. Aw. Love you, honey. Uh, I love you, too. Uh, Oh, you're talking to your wife. Uh, (laughs) I am thankful for all you guys for being on the line for five hours, for once a month getting together and spending some uh, – good portion of your weekend talking Spider-Man and having fun with me because if I didn't have you guys I wouldn't do this show I mean I, I can't do a Michael Bailey I mean not fall asleep but do a show by myself <laughs> oh, man like an inch of my ass you can't kiss right now oh baby get all the white man uh <laughs> No, I'm, I'm thankful for my family, my job, uh, my little Ava. Uh, every day, she just smiles at me, just warms my heart. Also, f- thankful for uh, Zach. I know, he, I know, we've given some shout-outs to him, but uh, he's a big part of this community, and he's been with the crawl space practically from day one almost. Uh, but uh, just all around, thanks for everybody, and thanks for sticking around for five hours for a bunch of November shows. All right, let me shut up. And that's a wrap-up of our final show for November. Before we go, since it's Thanksgiving, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for supporting the show. An example of their great prices is on the What If Classic Trade, Volume 7. Now, this one has a little-known Spider-Man classic that is penciled by artist Ron Friends. This story asks the question, what if Uncle Ben survived and Aunt May died? It's a good one that not many folks know about. The cover price for the book is 30 bucks. Mail order has it for just $17.99, which is 40% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Thank you.